good afternoon, everyone. That was Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA. Sorry about the technical difficulty. I am your host, Rodney Smith, on Our Own Voices Live. I am back, and today we, not so much as a celebration, but I guess we should celebrate the lives. We're going to remember, and what we're going to remember is, first of all, recognize that today, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, actually 20 years and about uh, three hours ago, on this date was the bombing of Cobar Towers. So the title of our show today is the 20th anniversary of the bombing of Cobar Towers. And I didn't want to let this day go by without us taking the time to recognize, to recognize the loss of life 20 years ago. As a matter of fact, it may have been, and I believe at that date, it was the heaviest single losses by terrorist attack to our United States Air Force. And this happened in Dahran, Saudi Arabia, at a housing complex called Cobar Towers. And, you know, they say as much as some things change, they're the same. And though I don't want to necessarily rehash something else, but it was amazing that security and upgraded security was requested by some of the folks at Dahran, Saudi Arabia. It didn't happen. And ultimately, the commander, a general, was lost his position because of a lack of safeguarding under his command. So the bombing of Kobar Towers in Saudi Arabia, where we lost, it was reported at the time, 19 airmen, officers and enlisted. I believe the number has been updated to 20 today. And there was a time when you were in the Air Force, I mean, you didn't really think this happened at any place. And the last big times, uh, time that something big like that happened was actually in Lebanon at the Marine Corps barracks. And it was negligence at the Marine Corps barracks that led to, I believe it was 249. Well, at Cobar Towers, it was, 19 at the time, I believe 20 now, and hundreds, hundreds of people who were injured. And, you know, we celebrate our military. We just had Memorial Day uh, just less than uh, five weeks ago. But all too often, once Memorial Day is over, The last hot dogs have come off the grill. The games are off. We sort of go back to our daily lives, and it's business as usual. Well, for those 19, then 20 now, families of those airmen who lost their life, every day is Memorial Day. Have we stopped to think about that? 
And then do we look to our leaders, not just the military leaders, because all too often they just carry out the orders of our president and Congress, but do we look to our congressional leaders and our president? And then do we ask them the question, is, is our military prepared? Do they have what they need? if we have to send them, and then when they come home for them, there is a a thing going on 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 Facebook and social media throughout the country, and it's called 22, 22 days, and 22 lives. Because what it's talking about, and these are old numbers, it's more like 32 or 34 now, but 22 people were taking their life. These are 22 service people taking their life a day. There's more people dying taking their lives. And this is still associated to war. Then there are people dying in the combat theater today as it is. That is something that is almost and I believe unprecedented in this country. And again, what we have to ask our leaders is what are they doing of those who didn't make it back? And then for the thousands who did make it back, whether they were at Cobar, they were in a convoy, Fallujah, Basra, just name it. What are we doing to minimize these what we call 22, but really 34-plus deaths a day due to suicide. As I said earlier, for those people in 1996, that's right, 1996, every day for them is Memorial Day. Now, after those dogs and the grill, we sort of go back to our business. But history tends to repeat itself, especially when we don't learn from it and don't prepare for it. And there will be more lives. Again, we have 22 a day. What are we going to do to ensure that there's not 22 tomorrow? And if we don't have enough time to do that tomorrow, how about next week or next month or next year? What are we doing? And how much are we pushing our leaders to do? You know, as many of you know, I ran for for Congress, representing Congressional District 4, in the great state of Nevada, a state that I've adopted and loved, a place where I've recovered. Spent a lot of days in recovery here, in physical therapy. And I remember when I was going through it, you always have those thoughts of why did you get saved, you know, so I would say why did I get saved. And I'll admit there was probably a, a time that maybe I even got a little depressed. And I can tell you that I actually wanted to go back. Some of my own troops get injured. And there's a level of responsibility. And that level of responsibility that you carry with you maybe forever, I know for 20 years I still feel it. You know, I saw bodies burn. I saw people dying. I don't think you ever forget that. But in order for us to live, we have to find ways to cope with what we saw. 
you know, these are things really we should never see. And though we all join active duty forces today in guard and reserve, and we know that these things can happen, it is one thing to know it intellectually, but it's another thing when you experience it. When the person or persons that you talk to literally just hours before is no longer with us. When you just were joking with someone, when maybe you were in church with someone the day before because over there, you know, you didn't have much to do, so people went to church. And you met people after church. And then you you know these people, you see their faces, you know their names, you can hear the sound of their voice. But it's only in your memory because those are the ones who made the ultimate sacrifice. You know, we have a saying, all gave some. Well, if you serve, you gave some. But then the second part of that saying is that some gave all. Well, on that night, in Dharan, Saudi Arabia. Some people call it the kingdom, the kingdom of Saud. There were Americans, some of them young, some of them not so young, that gave their all. How do we, as a civil society back home, how do we ensure that their deaths were not in vain and how do we help prevent those who made it back home from taking their lives here? Now, I know some people will say, well, I don't understand how they can do it. They made it from, from there, wherever there was, whether it was at Cobar Towers or, or someplace in our recent wars. How do they make it back home? But yet, the burden of war they experiences cause them to take their own life. I cannot tell you that I know for sure. I have never had the thought of taking my own life. I have never had nightmares. I know some people who have. I have never ducked under the table when I heard a loud noise. But I know some people to this day that still do. Now, I can tell you that as much as I think I have been able to deal with it and other situations I've been involved with, it is always there. It never goes away. Some of my buddies say when they close their eyes, they can see it all over again. Well, I suppose on days like today, and if I purposely think about it, I can, but it is not something that necessarily plagues me. Now, I am diagnosed with PTSD and TBI, which is true. Many people are not familiar with TBI, is traumatic brain injury. Many of our troops who were in Afghanistan in our latest wars in Iraq have TBI, especially those who were in convoys, because many times their vehicles were blown up. And a TBI, traumatic brain injury, causes a physical injury to your brain that can exhibit similar symptoms as post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. 
And that's something that we really have to be cognizant of. Because oftentimes, and this is something I wonder about many of those who do come back and take their own life, is oftentimes the person may have a traumatic brain injury, TBI, but because the symptoms are so similar to Pete, that sometimes instead of being treated for their physical injury, they are treated for a mental issue that they may not have. And this is, this is really important here because oftentimes when you're treated for a mental illness, you are prescribed drugs. And sometimes they can be psychotropic drugs. They're powerful drugs that manipulate the chemicals and the balances in your brain. And we know that the brain is one of the most, if not the most powerful, the most powerful organism possibly in our known universe. So what happens when a person has a traumatic brain injury or physical injury and they are given psychotropic drugs for a mental issue. And maybe because they didn't have a mental, a psychological disorder in the first place, now that they're given the psychotropic drug for a disorder that they don't have, they still may exhibit the same symptoms that they initially went to the doctor for, which was a, a traumatic brain injury. But because it was misdiagnosed, they were given psychotropic drugs. And because the original issue isn't fixed, they oftentimes go back to the doctor. And because the doctor has not caught his mis or her misdiagnosis, they figure that maybe they're not getting a stronger dose of whatever the medication is for the falsely diagnosed mental disorder. And they're given even stronger medication. Now, remember, they did not have a mental issue. It was traumatic brain injury. Um, traumatic brain injury is something similar to uh, when you take an infant. And remember, for a while, we had a lot of deaths associated where people would have an infant and they would shake them and it would kill them. And it would kill them because it literally caused a brain injury. So these people, my people, because I have traumatic brain injury, get falsely diagnosed with PTSD, are given psychotropic drugs because they didn't have that issue and they say it's not working. The doctor may give them even a stronger doses. But because they didn't have a mental issue, now... If you look at the side effects on many of these drugs to help people who have chemical imbalances and mental disorders, you'll find that some of the side effects are very similar to what is supposed to be fixing. So what sometimes happens is people who do not have a psychological ailment or impairment, they actually have a physical issue because they're given strong psychotropic medicine that they develop mental issues that are really the side effect of the drug that they shouldn't have been prescribed in the first place. Now, I am not saying 
that this is what causes all of these deaths. I'm not even saying that it has caused one death. But what I am saying is I do know what happens when TBI is falsely diagnosed as PTSD. I have seen what happens to people, people I've served with, who've been falsely diagnosed with PTSD and they had TBI and they've taken medicines that they should not have taken. And then if they are fortunate enough to be removed off of those drugs that they didn't need in the first place, fortunate enough meaning that, one, they're properly diagnosed, and, two, before some type of permanent permanent damage is done to their brain because of this mind-altering drug, because what happens is sometimes they begin to act out. Sometimes if they weren't in a depression, because depression is some of the side effects, they develop depression. Maybe they had no thoughts of killing themselves before, but now suddenly they have thoughts of killing themselves. And because these things seem to have gotten worse, again, oftentimes the doctor will prescribe a higher dosage of the current medication that they're on, or a new but stronger medication with many of the same side effects, and now a person's depression, a person's anxiety, a person's thought of ending their own life is abated, and they increase. Now, again, I'm not saying that this is what happens. But this is something that if there are family members out there listening to me, this is something that you need to be aware of. Because all too often the person who's taking these drugs is not really in control. So it's something that you go with them to their doctor. And if they have not, if you know that they were blown up, then make sure that the doctor, doctors, the staff know that and make sure that the regimen for traumatic brain injury is carried out and not just for PTSD. PTSD becomes a catch-all. So this, this is critically important because it could be a life that is saved, whether it's your own or someone else's, a family member. Now, at the beginning of the show, I talked about the caregivers, because when I came back, I wasn't the same when I left. And though I didn't duck under bed, you know how children can slam cabinets and slam doors or let the screen door slam? Or you get a sharp peal of, of lightning or a heavy rumble of thunder? Well, I'll acknowledge it, it bothered me. And there were times when I was in my wheelchair. I was I was at Hill Air Force Base at the time. There were times when I was in my wheelchair that I would wheel myself in the middle of the room because it was safe in the middle of the room. And I could see. And that gave me a certain level of comfort. Though I don't have those issues. Now, I did have them then, and I was diagnosed with PTSD. Thank goodness that I had a family that was near me. And my mom, she came out to take care of me. 
Thank you, Mom. You you always be my hero. She was there when I got awarded the Purple Heart. I still remember that look on her face. At the time, I wasn't in the wheelchair. I was on crutches. And I remember when General Hawley issued me my Purple Heart, I was so unsteady that I really wasn't able to render a proper salute. I remember that day. It's like it was yesterday. I remember the bombing of Cobar Towers 20 years ago, just like it was yesterday. I remember the people that didn't make it back because I had just talked to them the day before. You know, if any of you are military people or families of military people and had experiences with them when they came back from the war, give us a call, area code 347-826-9600, would like to hear your story. If you were the person who came back different, what was it like? What was your treatment like? How did people view you? Was it hard to get a job? Was it hard to hold a job? Did you self-medicate, whether it was taking excessive prescription drugs or maybe drowning your sorrows in alcohol? Because that's, it's actually a natural thing to do because you have a pain that there's nothing that's getting rid of it. So you find something that dulls it a little bit. Three four seven eight two six nine six zero zero. Press one. That will let me know that you would like to chat. We actually have someone on the line now. I can't tell where you're from. Good afternoon. You're on our own voices live, and we're talking about the 20th anniversary of the bombing of Cobar Towers. If you have a question yes. or comment for us, y- yes. Thank you very much for taking my call. This is Shadi, and you know it's disaster that Iran and Hezbollah was responsible for the attack and we go ahead and make an Iranian nuke deal with them, which it means, uh, you know, we support, uh, you know, terrorism instead of uh, not supporting the terrorism. And that's against all the laws of the uh, book whether internationally or locally or nationally, and we do condemn the Iranian nuclear deal. Uh, what is your re- response, please? You know, it's very interesting that you mentioned the Iranian deal uh, and Hezbollah because the FBI has reported that it was Iran and Hezbollah that was responsible for the bombing of Cobar Towers. And you know, I, I don't really want to get so much into the, the politic, politics of it, but it is, for me, odd that our country did have an agreement with Iran that, not in, that did not include the uh, deportation of the individual and individuals responsible for Cobar Towers. It was. You would think that it would have been a great opportunity for America to put a demand on Iran, and then we could have moved forward. Because you know, we have to recognize that countries often do things, but you can't always hold a grudge. But it's not about holding a grudge. There has to be accountability. 
And thus far, to your point, to your question, there has been no accountability by Iran for the bombing and loss of life at Cobart House. And uh, only they give us our, uh, our Iranian, uh, I mean, American hostages back uh, recently, uh, Amir Hekmati and we, Jason and others, and uh, there are a few unknown names were there. They uh, given to us because we give them $150 billion. And it is what a shame. I mean, um, this government is... Is is number one. They have the same flag of is is. There is no difference. If you look at it, they have the same flag of is is in Iran uh, as is uh, is has. Is 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 about ISIL or hundred thousand people. We cannot get rid of them. How can we get rid of ninety million is uh, is in Iran? Or you know, you know the, the thing that you bring up is I, I don't think that as Americans we recognize that the people in this region of the world have different philosophies, have obviously different religions, religions and religious beliefs, and that really it's their country. It's their country. And some of the issues that they have had in these countries or from one country to the other, have been going on for over a thousand years. And these things are not easily settled. And now we find ourselves as a country being a part of the destabilization of an entire region, which has caused, and arguably so, one of the largest mass migrations of people possibly in history. And yes, we had a role to play with. But I want to go back to Cobart Towers for a minute. And one of the reasons for doing this show today is because if more people were aware that Cobart Towers happened, then maybe those who negotiated that contract, that that treaty with Iran, maybe they could have inserted that. Now, you would like to think that this is always on the forefront, that there's always someone looking at these things. But that may not necessarily be the case. And the American citizenry have a responsibility to our elected officials and those appointed to call these things to their awareness. Because maybe they didn't know. Or let's say that they did know, but they chose to ignore it. Again, in the American citizen, we have a responsibility to remind them. I was at uh, I was at a gun range today. I didn't shoot. I'm not allowed to shoot because I have traumatic a uh, traumatic brain injury, and I have PTSD. So I'm yes. not allowed to handle a weapon. But when I was there, I just happened to ask as many people as I came into contact with at the range, did they know what anniversary today was? And none, some people said Memorial Day, some people said Juneteenth, which is another discussion. But no one knew that it was the 20th anniversary of the bombing of Cobar Tower. Yes, and indeed. 
Yes, I, I I didn't know it until I saw it, and I saw, oh my God! I mean, because there are lots of things uh, is not been said that uh, you know. Of course, uh, we don't hold all Iranian uh, population responsible for uh, what happened, but uh, you know, it's it's their elected officials, whether uh, uh, by force they've been elected or uh, otherwise, but still is uh, they are representing them and uh, so uh, they are i mean also has a lot of guilty of the consciousness on the whole population as well indeed and uh, they should you know then don't like it i know they don't like the uh, in iran the government iran is a very bad very uh, terrorist and even the people are scared from them but uh, still, uh, up to today, we know that lots of people are in prison in Iran, and uh, we, you know whether uh, uh, you know by uh, uh, force or by uh, not force, but all of them are in, in prison. They accuse them wrongly of uh, uh, bad things, and they put them in prison. But still. Uh, I, we wish this nuclear deal would not go through because these people are going to have atom bomb like North Korea. North Korea also we said we are not going to have atom bomb, but now they have atom bomb, and now uh, you see what they're going to do. And same thing will happen to Iran. Iran will have atom bomb, and uh, uh, this is what a shame for any administration that. Uh, will come uh, does not abolish this nuclear deal it would be uh, uh, you know people of Iran will not uh, appreciate it because we know that means more Ayatollah is going to be in power because of the nuclear deal well what I want to do is first of all thank you so much for your call and your awareness of the situation uh, the, the show today was I did want to just I, I just could not let the day go by Without us acknowledging What I believe is a, a significant Anniversary uh, One where maybe we should Celebrate the lives of those who made The ultimate sacrifice And recognize that there are many more Who every day There were, there were 19 people killed At Cobar Towers Immediately but there's 22 people who give their life up every day who serve mostly in the combat theater, but not all. And I also mentioned, do we learn the lessons from this? I don't know if we have. And as you pointed out, I don't know if there was any discussion about Cobar Towers and what should happen. And maybe it should. And hopefully maybe you and anyone else who's listening to the show today will remind those who are near them that today is a significant anniversary and one that we shouldn't forget. And maybe in the future when decisions are being made with Iran and other countries, but as far as Cobar Towers is concerned, with Iran and the Kingdom Saudi Arabia, that they'll remember what happened to those 19 people who gave their life and, and the hundreds who were injured with me being one of them. I, I exactly. Exactly. I do exactly. want to read off the names. 
I do want to read off the names, though, of the people who lost their lives. And we have Airman First Class, uh, Joshua E. Woody, Airman First Class, Justin Wood, Airman First Class, Joseph E. Remkus, Airman First Class, Peter W. Morgera, Airman First Class, Brian W. McVeigh. Airman First Class, Brent E. Martella. And these are young people. Airman First Class, Christopher Lester. Senior Airman, Jeremy A. Taylor. Senior Airman, Earl R. Hartwick, Jr. Sergeant Millard D. Campbell. Staff Sergeant, Kevin Johnson. Staff Sergeant, Ronald King. I talked to these people. Tech Sergeant, Don V. Nugent. Technical Sergeant, Patrick P. Finning. Finning, excuse me. Technical Sergeant, Daniel B. Kaforek. Master Sergeant, Kendall K. Kitson. Master Sergeant, Michael G. Heiser. Captain, Leland Hone. Captain, Christopher Adams. These were the 19 people who made that ultimate sacrifice that day. What are we sacrificing today in memory of them? What are we holding our government to to take care of those who who made it back from Cobar Towers but may not have made it back as they went? And what are we doing as a nation? for the 22 people every day that are taking their lives. This is a responsibility of not just the leaders. It's also a responsibility of the citizen. There's an inscription on the bumper sticker that I like to use, and it says that if the people will lead, the leaders will follow. Well, if our people aren't doing, if our leaders aren't doing what's necessary, whether it's bad trade deals, which is debatable, whether it's ensuring that our veterans have the best and prompt treatment. And sometimes having treatment, period, is what they need, and they don't have it. What, ask yourselves as just individuals, are we pressing our congressmen and our senators? Are we calling them? Are we emailing them? Are we calling it out on social media as to what are they doing to cut down on these 22 people per day, and what are they doing for the folks who came back from Cobar Towers who are not the same? And least we forget, how about the caregivers of those who came back from Cobar as well as some of our other wars? Are we equipping, equipping them with all that they need so that they can take care of our war veterans when they're back home? Uh, Dick, can I say something, please? Can uh, I say yes, something? Sir. Yeah, I mean, that's why we have to take care of America first. American people, whether you're Iranian, uh, American, or uh, first, uh, or whatever, uh, because the names you read, they were they, every kind of uh, different countries were there too, I mean, backgrounds. So it doesn't matter from what backgrounds you are from. 
I mean, America must uh, take care of their own citizens first, especially veterans, especially, uh, you know, those people who have been victims, uh, such as Khobar and other victims of other, you know, uh, matters. So uh, if we don't take care of our citizens first, then uh, not, never we do. And then uh, it's, it would be shame on us, shame on any administration that, uh, you know, veterans, they have to wait for surgeries, for uh, seeing uh, psychologists, psychotherapists, uh, etc., for a long time. Uh, that would be a shame because we have the, uh, uh, you know, all the, we are the first country in the world, we are the superpower, and we must take care of our citizens uh, and veterans, everybody first. And if we don't care, then uh, it's end of America. Go ahead, please. Well, well, thank you so much for your call. I appreciate you for listening. I appreciate your comment. We can further the discussion on Our Own Voices Live on Facebook. Our time is up for today's show. Uh, normally, I come on on Saturday afternoons at 12:30 uh, Pacific time uh, because I was running for Congress on some of the issues that he actually talked about today on the show. I had to take a hiatus from the show. I am back, and I thought that today would be a great time to start it to make sure that those folks who made that ultimate sacrifice that we remember them. But more importantly. Because they're gone We try to do what We need to do To help so many As we've been speaking In the hour that we've been on There's another person That's close To taking their life Those lives have values Those families Have values There was a penalty Against Iran A financial penalty in the millions of dollars that was to be paid to the families of those who were hurt as well as those who were injured. Those families have not received that money yet. As this brother says, maybe when they were doing that nuclear negotiation, that would have been a good time to make to maybe take some of that $150 billion and Take what was owed to those families and dispersed it to them. Brother, you were right on. That would have been a, a good thing to do. You're welcome, sir. I mean, I always, I mean, we always uh, remember Amir Hekmati was a hostage in Iran and he freed January 6, uh, 2016, of course, after nuclear deal. But, I mean, it's, it's still we value the Iran, I mean, everybody from every country that are fighting for us, for this homeland, and uh, we appreciate them uh, from every color, greed, religion, uh, they are, we appreciate them uh, for what they do for this country. And Amir Hekwati, we love you, and thank you for coming home. Well, I, I appreciate you, brother, again. Thank you for calling. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on the air next Saturday at 12.30 p.m., on the West Coast, which is 3.30 p.m. for those of you back east. Um, if you see a veteran today, 
Just remember that he may be dealing with something that may be a little much for him. And sometimes a kind word, not patronizing, but a simple kind word, recognizing their service. And if you ask them how are they doing, genuinely ask them how they're doing because maybe you're that person that's between them taking their life and them living another day. Take this seriously. And may we never forget the sacrifices of America's greatest treasure, those men and women who voluntarily wear the country's uniform and flag to go out and fight our country's wars in defense of us. Today, 20 years from the bombing of Cobar Towers, let us not forget. Thank you, brother. I'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for allowing me to to talk. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, You're quite welcome. Everyone go to Our Own Voices Live on Facebook and let us know what you think about today's show. And also, if you have any comments about the 20th anniversary of the bombing of Cobar Towers, even if you just want to say a word and recognize those who didn't make it back as well as those who did come back, go to Our Own Voices Live on Facebook and leave your comment. Thank you very much, and until next time, blessings to everyone. Bye-bye.